Good morning, everyone. Pastor Sharon here. It's good to connect together across these devices wherever you are. We, the church, are still connected, and we continue to do the things that the church does. We worship together, we pray, we give, we gather around God's word. And so I'm grateful you're here with us this morning. We're beginning a new series this fall, this September, called Holy Disruptions, an opportunity for us to take a look at the book of Acts, particularly the first 10 chapters, taking a look at how the Holy Spirit disrupts events, disrupts um, people's perceptions in order to move the gospel forward. And as we look at the stories and learn from our ancestors in faith, I trust we will be encouraged to look with eyes of faith at the way the Holy Spirit might be disrupting things in our times in order that we might more fully follow him. Today, we're going to be taking a look at disrupting expectations. Now, you and I both know we go through our days often with expectations of what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, and sometimes things get changed. I remember a particular time in my life where I had an expectation for something and it was shifted, but it ended up good. It was one of my milestone birthdays and my husband and I, we'd planned to head out for a nice dinner out. Um, we'd gotten all dressed up. The kids were going to stay home. And so we got in the car and drove away and I was excited. I was expecting a wonderful evening away. And we drove into Bellevue near where the restaurant was. And my husband said, oh, no. Oh, no, I forgot. I thought, what did you forget? He said, I forgot the gift cards we were going to use for this. And, and we've got to use them up or they're so I guess we'll have to go back home and pick them up. And I must confess, I was a bit irritated. I thought, what kind of planning is that, that we're going out for a nice dinner and he forgot? So we drove all the way back home. And as I drove into the driveway, out of the doors rushed all my sisters, my nieces, my daughters, and they were all saying, surprise, happy birthday. What I expected for that day, a nice evening out with my husband, was disrupted in a good way. I ended up having a wonderful time celebrating my birthday with some very dear people. You know, that's just one example of the way expectations can be disrupted, sometimes for good things and sometimes for hard things. And today's text talks about that. Little context, first of all, for the book of Acts. Acts is actually part two of a, a narrative written by Luke. Luke, a Gentile physician who came to Christ, and he writes both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. In fact, if you look at the preface for each of these books, you'll notice it's going to the same person. Let me read this from, first of all, from Luke chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Since I myself, Luke's talking about himself, have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. He's addressing it to his patron, Theophilus. The name means lover of God. And uh, Luke is writing to tell all the things that he had investigated about the story of Jesus from the very beginning. He wanted to be a witness to it and be careful about how he recorded it. 
And we'll see the same thing. We say it at the beginning of Acts. Acts 1.1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Luke is continuing the story, the Jesus story, and how it impacts and influences a community which in turn influences the world. Throughout the book of Acts, we see the movement of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We've seen Jesus, Jesus who is um, validated, elevated by God the Father, and his witness is extended through the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so in this series, as we look at Acts, we're going to be looking at the community of faith that was formed after Jesus' resurrection. Some people have said, called this book Acts of the Apostles, but I think it's more fittingly called Acts of the Spirit, because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, a person and a part of the triune God, is the one who is most active, moving through every narrative of this story we're going to share together. Before we get into today's text, just a little bit of definition around the word disruption. We, we probably have an idea in our minds what it is, but I want to remind you that disruption simply means a disturbance or a shift in activity or process. A disruption is to cause something to not be able to continue in the normal way. I want to say that again. A disruption is to cause something to not be able to continue in the normal way. And for the work of the Spirit in this um, passage, we're going to find out that there were expectations that were disrupted. You know, we often think of disruptions in negative ways because something familiar has been shifted or taken away. And, of course, we're all familiar with that during this pandemic lots of disruptions. But in the book of Acts, we're going to see that the kind of disruptions the Spirit does are holy. They point to the work of God that will benefit not only the participants, but give glory to God and extend his gospel. Now, that doesn't mean these disruptions are always comfortable. In fact, many of the holy disruptions that the Spirit brings can be very disorienting, very bewildering, and hard. So with that context in mind, let's take a look at the Holy Spirit's disruptions in this um, story we've read today, in this narrative. You know, the archbishop of, an Anglican archbishop in England, Simon Burton Jones, says this about our theology of the Holy Spirit. The church needs a theology of the Holy Spirit, which is rooted as much in his disruptive force as in his comforting touch. We talked about that last week, that the power given us through the Spirit is both to calm us down and to stir us up. So this disruptive, stirring up role of the Spirit is going to be what we're focusing on in the next few weeks. And today, We've read about and we'll see how Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, disrupts expectations of what the kingdom of God is like. 
So if you have your Bible or can look at it on your device, take a look again at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. This passage describes transition. Luke, a master storyteller, is setting the pace. He's setting the narrative to, for what is coming when Jesus leaves. His presence is no longer there physically, and the Holy Spirit's presence becomes preeminent. In verses 3 to 5, you can see it. It talks of the overview of what had happened since Jesus' resurrection, that he had appeared to his disciples over 40 days, making very evident that he was alive, confirming the proof of it. And if you look back at the Gospels, you can read instances where Jesus ate with his disciples. He laughed with them. He walked with them. He had them touch his body, convincing proofs that he was risen from the dead. And the topic during these 40 days, the way Luke describes it here is, he taught about the kingdom of God. He kept teaching about what the kingdom is. And on this occasion, when his disciples gathered around him, he told them, gave instructions for them to stay in Jerusalem because something was coming what had been promised, this baptism of the Spirit was coming, and they should wait for it. Something new is coming, something I've talked about, Jesus says, and I want you to be ready for it. Now, these disciples had spent nearly, well, three years apprenticing with Jesus. They had spent at least 40 days off and on engaging with him in his resurrected body, they had heard many times him preaching about the kingdom of God and the promise of the Spirit. But they still had a limited view of what the kingdom of God was about. They had one expectation that was going to be disrupted. They asked a question, and it reveals in their question that they still had religious, ethnocentric, centric expectations about what the kingdom of God was all about. Here's how they said it in verse six. Lord, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, is this the time when Israel's going to come back to its political power and prestige? Is this the time when we're going to be able to step into kingdom power in new ways? Their Jewish notions rich in the history of the scripture, but they colored their perspective. They must have always had a sense where Israel's restoration as a kingdom in their minds was equated with the kingdom of God. And perhaps they thought they were on the verge of inheriting this secular kingdom, this regional restoration of Israel. And instead, they were right on the edge of stepping into God's kingdom, which was going to expand throughout the world to every nation and every tongue. They expected something, a resurgent, a resurgence of political power and prestige. And God was saying, I'm doing something more than that. Their expectations needed a holy disruption. Now, we can be a little bit critical of these disciples because we think, after all, you walked with Jesus. You saw him. You heard him with your own ears speak of the kingdom of God. But, you know, we are just as apt to make our expectations 
the way that God needs to move. We have a something in our mind that this is the way God acts, and we don't even recognize how much we've held on to that. Maybe like the disciples, we take one aspect of God's story, one nugget of scripture, and we hold on to that and make it the main thing. Hold tightly so that our personal perspective is becomes larger than God's word, God's way. We might even quote truths from scripture that support our viewpoint, but it's our expectations for what's the way God's going to work that holds sway rather than what God says, what the spirit initiates. There's examples of this throughout church history. We expect God to act in a certain way, and then we're disappointed when things change. Let me just give you some ideas of this, and maybe some of you have thought these things as well. Some ways where our culture, even our church culture, has influenced and limited our perspective on what God is doing. Here are some misguided expectations. If we could only restore the moral foundation of American culture, we would see the kingdom of God advance. A misguided expectation. Or this one. The kingdom of God will create a kumbaya, tranquil, harmonious relationship in the church. Here's one that we've maybe all thought at one point or another. This expectation. It's the unrest and the increasing evil in our world means that Christ will return soon. Or this one. If you're sincere, if you really pray with faith, then God will bring healing. Now, each one of these misguided expectations has some truth in it. Because God does, he will restore things. He does call for morality. He is about peace. He does bring healing. But when that expectation is held too tightly, when it becomes the driving force of the way we see the kingdom of God, we are limiting the work of the Spirit. We need a holy disruption in our own expectations. And here's the thing about holy disruptions. They aren't always comfortable. When God interrupts our expectations, we don't always welcome it. We don't always even see it as a holy thing. Just like those disciples who weren't sure about the kingdom of God coming, we try to make sense of things on our own. And often it's only in looking back, looking back through eyes of faith that we can recognize a holy disruption as being truly holy from God intended for his good purposes. God is doing something more than what you or I expect. God is not beholden to us for his plans, even our understanding of them. God does a work through his Holy Spirit, and it often disrupts the way we think things should go. And this holy disruption came through a holy source of power. Take a look back to verse 7. It's interesting that Jesus doesn't even answer their question. Is this going to be our kingdom time, Lord? Instead, he points to the sovereignty of God over all history. The power of the Spirit to prepare them for what was next. 
Jesus didn't want his disciples to be distracted. You don't need to know the times or the seasons, he said. That is not for you to know. He wanted to redirect their attention, not to, to, to things they didn't need to know. Instead, directing their minds toward what they needed to do and what was coming. And what comes on the stage, this holy disruption of new ways of thinking, new ways of relating to God and to each other, reverberates throughout the early church. Jesus gives these two grounding realities that have sustained the church throughout the ages. He says, first of all, you will receive power and then you will be my witnesses. You will receive power. It's a promise. It's a statement. While the disciples had wondered about a resurgence of political power, Jesus is pointing to a totally different kind of power. The power promised to us who belong to Christ. The power we talked about in the book of Ephesians when it was promised as something that the Spirit does within us through the indwelling Christ. This is a power that would make them witnesses to a different kingdom. The Holy Spirit was going to come in fresh and powerful ways. And you will receive this power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then Jesus grounds him in this reality. You will be my witnesses. Notice it doesn't say it as an instruction. You must be my witnesses. Or here's what I'm telling you have to do. It's simply a statement, a declaration When the Spirit comes on you, you will be a witness to who I am. The Spirit's power fuels the witness. The Spirit within us takes our actions, our words, our movements, and allows them to be a witness to Christ. Just like those first disciples, you and I have been given power, and we are his witnesses. Now, sometimes we may feel that we're not doing it very well. We feel like even in this time, we can't move forward and witness in the way we might have wanted to. We can't reach out in the same way. But our very lives, because Christ lives within us, are a witness to the power and glory of God. You will be my witnesses When he talks about it, he uses geographical locations. And it's interesting because those locations could almost be an outline for the book of Acts. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is not only talking about where they're going to begin. They start where they are, right there in Jerusalem. But he's talking about this ever-widening circle of the influence and the witness of Jesus going beyond just where they're living now and eventually to the ends of the earth. But it's not only a geographical widening. This is a place where cultural and ethnic bounds will be broken through. They will cross from just their Jewish understanding to Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we, we will see this all the way through the book of Acts. It's a good model for us today. We begin where we are. You and I, we have received power if we belong to Christ. And right where you're living, right today, you are a witness of him. 
You are a witness to the work of God. And then we go beyond that. We move to other cultures. We move to other neighborhoods. We move to other nations. And we share and we witness to the power and the goodness of God. You know, in this year, in these months of disruptions all around us, all of us might be hoping for a return to something that's normal. Fall 2020 wasn't supposed to look like this, was it? School from home and church online and working remotely and wearing masks everywhere we go. But even in this disruption, we're invited by the Holy One to review our priorities, to review our perspectives and be able to say, what are you up to, Holy Spirit? What are you doing now in our midst? How are you going to disrupt my expectations, not just for this fall, but for what it means to be the church, what it means to be your follower? What are you up to, Spirit? And how can I stand, stand and walk in line with what you are doing? When we move into a future that's unknown, that doesn't meet our expectations, it can stir discomfort. You know, Danielle Strickland, an author and, and justice advocate, wrote a book called A Beautiful Mess, How God Recreates Our Lives. And she says this, There is no changing the future without disturbing the present. Disruption is not a threat but an invitation. And as we move into a new future, whatever God has for us, we can't change that without disrupting the past. So what might the holy disruptor, the very spirit of God be stirring in you today? What expectations for the way he works is he saying, no, that's not my way. I want to move in a fresh way. And you're going to be part of it because you've received power. You are witnesses of me. Today, I invite us, I invite us all to join those disciples who waited and received the gift of spirit power. And that changed the world. It changed the future of the church. It changed everything. Whatever expectations you have of the way God's going to work, hold them loosely. Allow that spirit to disrupt your expectations, and he will be up to something even greater, more glorious than you could have imagined. This is the way of the spirit, and we're going to be walking through this all through the book of Acts. As we do so, I invite you to Step into that exciting new future. Allow the Spirit to do His holy disruptive work so that we might be what He intends for us as His people. Would you pray with me? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, thank you for this reminder from your earliest followers that we sometimes get it wrong, God. We have expectations of how you're going to work, 
and we look for things that aren't your purposes. And so we confess that now and invite your disruptive, holy, loving work to lead us forth. Thank you for the gift of power you give us through your spirit and for the privilege of continuing the witnessing work of Jesus Christ in our neighborhoods, in our community, and throughout the world. We pray this in the powerful name of the risen one, Jesus Christ. Amen. Receive this blessing as you go. May the holy disruptive movement of the Spirit draw you closer to Jesus Christ and move you further in mission for his glory and your good. Go in peace.